Hello and welcome to For The Record. This is episode 26 and we are going to be doing something a little bit different today. But first, my name is Sean Tierney. Thank you so much for joining us as always. And with me, as always, is my lovely, wonderful co-host, Mr. Zach Buggy. How art thou? I'm good. I am so excited. I'm champing at the bit to talk about this album. How are you? I'm not too bad, man. To be honest, when you first kind of broached the idea of doing these like these odd essential albums kind of episodes and you kind of asked me what would what's my first choice I, I i kind of i'll be truthful i opted for one that as as gung-ho and fucking rock hard as i am to talk about this i knew it is i knew it would put a tingle in your belly even more than my own that's kind of why i chose the one we're talking about today Oh, big time. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little, a little different again. We're still going to be talking about an album, but we're not going to be talking about a new album or an album released this year. We're talking about what we view as essential records for your record collection or for your streaming library of choice or to own on CD or cassette. Whatever you want to do, you need to have access to these records. That's basically how we're framing this. We're calling it For The Record Essentials because we think they're fucking essential. And... As Zach has hinted to, he did choose this, but to be honest, if I was given, you know, a, a first round draft pick for this essential branch, it would have been way up there as well. So I can't even, I just can't even wait. Today we are talking about White Pony by the inimitable and unbelievable Deftones. Deftones are a band from Sacramento, California. They are comprised of Chino Moreno on vocals and a little bit of guitar at this point. Um, Steph Carpenter on guitar, Abe Cunningham on drums. At this point in the band's journey, Chi Cheng on bass. And this was the first album where Frank Delgado was made permanent member of the band on samples and electronics and DJ stylings. Um, obviously, Deftones have gone through a couple of shifts as regards to bass playing. Um, due to the sad and untimely passing of Chi Cheng. But we're, that's not quite the story we're telling today. But So for this record and the purposes of this record, Chi Cheng is the Deftones bass player. And we're not going to go into the absolutely prickish handling of um, Sergio from Quicksand's yeah. uh, treatment in the latter years. That's, a, that's an episode for another fucking time, to be honest. It really is. And to be honest, as we'll get to... Um, probably pretty quickly it's about the only blemish i have on deftones record to be honest is just like oh you were you were mean to sergio you know yeah and but, sergio's but, just a gem of a, a man gem. yeah and he and i really like i was not to get too into it but i like until that news broke i was 100 percent under the assumption he was a full-time equal member at that point i thought after three fucking seminal albums four with him that they'd like they would have just treated him like an, an equal artist, but no. But again, we'll we'll get into that some other time. Yeah. yeah and for this yeah. for this episode, Chi was still the bassist, and yes, things were things were somewhat simpler to us on the outside. But they were very fucked up and sweaty and internal on the inside. That is for sure. So they released Adrenaline in 1995. That was their debut record. 1995 seems like a fucking eon ago. Then they followed that up with Around the Fur in 1997, which dear listener is another essential record and i feel like that might be worthy of a an episode on its own at some point around the fur to not sound too pretentious is probably the, uh, no disrespect to adrenaline it's a great debut but around the fur was like the sound of deftones arriving absolutely you know, 100%. Their, yeah 
A hundred percent. Which brings us to June the 20th in the year 2000 when Deftones released White Pony. Um, White Pony was produced by Terry Date, um, which again... Who's he, Terry? He is. Who's Terry Date? Terry Date is legit in the conversation. In terms of metal producers, if you just take metal producers and alternative Mm. music producers, he's in the conversation for the greatest producer of all time. He has produced some of the best metal records ever, namely Pantera's, like, good albums. Um, He's produced a lot of Deftones records. He produced Sempaternal by Bring Me The Horizon. He's he's just an incredible record producer. Hybrid Theory? Hybrid Theory, you know. Like, this man knows this shit. Uh... I don't think so. I'm not sure though. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe I just had a fever dream, but I always assumed Terry Date was like Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory, all the Pantera albums, the fucking, the great Deftones records. But I thought he did Chocolate Starfish as well. You are dead right. Yeah, boy. Doff my cap. Um, You are dead right. It was produced by Limp Bizkit and Terry Date. Um, that yeah. man's CV is ludicrous. In uh, other words. Terry Date's CV is, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like Even people who had like a passing, a passing like experience listening to metal before completely relinquishing it as they grew up, probably without their knowledge, had a fucking, had a Terry Date produced record in their collection. Like Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. He's, he's, he's amazing. But um, we're going to touch on that a little bit later as well. So just uh, give me, Give me a feel for your relationship with Deftones. Um, just a little bit, because as I said, they're probably a band we're going to get to a couple of times, I think, and, you know, cover a couple of their albums. Well, for me, Deftones were a band that I first was introduced to via Back to School. That single that was... Interesting. Yeah, that was pushed all over Kerrang! and kind of sounds nothing like most of Neftone's material. And it, I found out like years after the fact that it was a, a label pushed bonus track. So that was my introduction. I wasn't too blown away. I, I was young too. I was very young. So I was about 10, 11. Mm. And I just, because I just, it wasn't really fucking arsed. And that's all, <laughs> that's all I knew. And then... And then I remember growing up a little bit and Minerva was on TV and stuff. And I I kind of had closed ears to Minerva when they were promoting the self-titled because I just didn't like back to school. So, and I was young, so, you know, you have blinders up. So I, I just had no interest in them. And then funnily enough, I started hanging with some lads at a very young age and they didn't like Deftones. So I had no one telling me, listen to Deftones and I had no interest in Deftones. And I kind of was under the assumption I didn't like Deftones until one day in the in the town of Trilly, hanging out by the courthouse, I bumped into, I can't remember if you were there, but some of your old bandmates from Fear of the South were there. Okay, and cool. I, and I got chatting to Paul Sayers, one Paul Sayers, who... Shout out, Polly. Shout out to Paul Sayers. And I just mentioned that, like, someone mentioned Deftones, and I was like, oh, I don't like Deftones. And Sayers just looked at me and was just like, White Pony is one of the greatest metal albums ever recorded. And this was as teenagers, like, and I was, oh, no, I don't really like it. And he was like, have you listened to White Pony? And I was like, no. And he goes, it's, it's one of the best albums. Like, you should love White Pony. Everyone who likes this music should love White Pony. You're wrong. He was like, and he wasn't even being dick about it. He was just kind of like, With respect, you need to owe, you owe it to yourself to go listen to White Pony. And then, 
it wasn't until I still didn't actually go and check them out all the way until when she went into his coma. Okay. And Diamond Eyes came out. Mm. And it was when Diamond Eyes, the single came out and it was going to be their first kind of the first taste of the new album after the tragedy they'd suffered. And when I heard the single Diamond Eyes, that changed everything. And I remember thinking, what am I doing with my life? Is this the type of shit Deftones have been sitting on and I don't know about it? And I went right back to Around the Fur. And before Diamond Eyes came out, I caught up with Around the Fur, White Pony and the self-titled and just got, and I, I never really flexed Saturday Night Risk because I kind of ran out of time by the time Diamond Eyes arrived. But it, Diamond Eyes made me retroactively go back. And by the time Diamond Eyes arrived, then I was steeped in in the De- Deftones mythos. But White Pony was the one that really kind of grabbed me, like really grabbed me. And then I'll be honest, so much other music came my way. I kind of, I, I would stick with Deftones new releases, but I didn't really revisit White Pony until a year or two ago when they put out the remix album, Black Stallion. Black Stallion. Mm-hmm. And I was reviewing Black Stallion for a website I was writing for. And in my head, I was thinking, you know, I can't review Black Stallion properly without re-listening to White Pony first. And I remember re-listening to White Pony uh, probably the first time since I'd left my adolescence, my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And man, <laughs> it was kind of one of those things like I knew this album was brilliant and amazing and worthy of all its praise. But now, n- n- now I'm like really horny and, and, and terrified and disturbed. And it finally clicked with me in this really despicable way where it's almost like being on a fucking being dosed with when you listen to White Pony, you feel it, man, in you. And not and I love and I've loved Eftons that are one of my favorite bands now, but like there's something about White Pony that they were just they were tapping into their future greatness, but they were also just because like it has this just really quickly, it has this fucking it, it almost like it's it's misinterpreted or miscategorized as a new metal album released in the new metal era produced by a new metal producer. And it sounds like a new metal album. But when you when you tell yourself it's not new metal and you listen to the album, you realize that it's it's like noise grunge meets shoegaze. It, mm. <laughs> but 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 hidden under like new metal tracksuit bottoms and fucking and and that's my Deftones introduction. Awesome. Really. Okay. Um, so mine is basically that again they were a band that passed me by a little bit and then like you i heard minerva and i was like oh i did not have closed ears to minerva i was like okay i see you deftones i see you so i went and bought the deftones self-titled album and this is a conversation for another time, but I was floored by that album. I could not believe it. That's the first Deftones album I listened to in full. Then I went backwards and holy shit. The, yeah. I'm just going to say it. Deftones on, depending on what day you catch me, are my favorite band. Tool are probably my favorite band. And Nine Inch Nails are probably my favourite band as well. <laughs> but just beside or slightly below those two boys is Deftones. I, I know, adore I, them. 
I feel that because I wouldn't like. I I would even though I wouldn't say they're my favorite favorite band. I would like you. I would hold Deftones with the same regard and esteem that I would Tool. Absolutely. You know that they're they're just one of those quintessential, almost perfect bands to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly, they're just. I fucking love them. I'm so biased. I. I love everything that they've released, except for Saturday Night Wrist. It's a bumpy ride, but it has some magnificent moments, I think. Um, I'm I'm just a huge, huge fan. And as for White Pony, whew, let's just let's just get going. We're gonna do a little bit of a track by track of White Pony. And I'm gonna say to all of y'all who don't know, this album, no matter what Spotify tells you, does not start with Back to School. Back to School is not on White Pony. No, it's not. It is not on White Pony. And Back to School is a talking point in itself that we're, we'll revisit as we, as we get to the end of the album. But I just want to say and make it very clear, Back to School is not on White Pony. And the reason why, aside from all the other bullshit, is because if you start this record with Back to School, you miss out on the absolutely feral guitar riff of Fiedisera that opens this record, allied with Abe Cunningham doing some of the wildest shit you will ever hear on drums before the bass and Chino come crashing in together just to make the finest start to an album that you're ever likely to hear. This is just unbelievable. When Chino sings... You said you were right, and you were right into the soon I'll let you go, soon I'll let you go. is just absolute pure and total musical perfection. Right up until the song comes to this like abrupt halt on this big discordant chord. This is one of the best track one side ones of all time. And that is why, more than anything else, this album does not start with Back to School. This album starts with Fiedisera or Fiedisera, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but this is the opening track on White Pony, and it is one of the best ever. I just love this song. I'm probably going to say that for every song on this record. But anyway, Zach, save the listeners from me spewing. But I kind of, but like, I can't. This is going to be such a circle jerk because I can't help but agree. I mean, there's, yes, like Back to School is not on the fucking album, nor is it reflective of what White Pony sounds like. But that, that opening riff is just so mangy. And like you said, and Abe Cunningham... It's a great word for it. And Abe Cunningham, the, the kind of the really sparse sounds on the snare and shit, they, they all have this cavernous echo, but he's shuffling through them so fast that it just it creates this claustrophobic drum sound like colliding with that fucking horrible riff. And, oh, and, and the thing about... Fiatera, or how the fuck you pronounce that, yeah. is um is the fact that it really it's a perfect intro in the sense that it, it it kind of it lets you know that this album's gonna kind of go everywhere all at once because mm. it's really heavy and like it's lashing out, but then it also has this real it's very kind of in, indicative of the time it came out. And, I, and I'm, I would almost say, I mean, like the melodic bit, the hook, and when it really kind of, when Chino really starts crooning, mm. there's, 
you know, and it's probably just because of the exact same time that it came out practically, but it has that incubus morning view, big alt rock, new metal, but with an alt, alt rock with a new metal production kind of style that alt rock metal adjacent sound incubus were on the more alternative rock side of that where deftones were more planted in this experimental metal side but there is that that new metal adjacent band trying to lash out into a more alternative sound that and it really evokes that kind of that same vibe incubus were going for at that same time when i hear that absolutely i agree it makes the album indicative of the time it came out yeah um, I, I think it's a really nice link to the Deftones that we heard on Around the Fur and Adrenaline as well. Because yeah. you're, it's the first track on this album that does end up being a, a bit of a departure for the band. But first track, you're like, this is Deftones. You know, and that's one thing about Deftones that I feel doesn't get said enough. In terms of band identities, they've one of the strongest identities of any band. I think no matter what part of the music starts a song, whether it's Chino is incredibly recognisable, whether it's a fill from Abe Cunningham, a bass line from Chi, or a riff from Steph Carpenter, you're just like, oh, Deftones, cool. But it was the fact that even I said earlier about how Around the Fur, their second record was the sound of them arriving. Mm. I, like, since... That was the we have nine full lengths now. Yeah. Uh, isn't it? Yeah. And since their second album, Adrenaline, great debut, like I said earlier, but since Around the Fur, since uh My Own Summer Shove It, that song, that song still sounds like today's Deftones. Absolutely. You know, they not to really say they're stagnant, but like yeah. they've they, that identity they carved out with that single yeah. is still recognizable, has the recognizable audible aesthetics of Deftone sound today Absolutely. while they've maintained the freshness and irrelevancy. So they're just, it's ridiculous how easily and quickly they carved out who they were and have mm. kept that sound almost relevant to them in the same way the tool have almost. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Despite this being a nice link to what's gone before, the next track in the album, Digital Bath, this is like the first radical departure of Deftones' career, I think. Like, the ethereal shoegaze of Digital Bath is just, like, stunning. And I think Chino's, like, cry of Tonight I Feel Likeable is achingly beautiful, it's sad, it's melancholic, it's glorious in equal measure. And the final stretch of the song where it shifts into a slightly more major kind of feeling territory is just a tour de force of songwriting and craftsmanship digital bath is is a really perfectly composed and arranged and attacked song i i think digital bath is well the thing about digital bath i love is it's kind of the it's the track that indicates really the the kind of creative differences that were going on behind the scenes when they were making White Pony because Steph Carpenter at that stage who was the band's primary guitarist that man even today he he likes his big chunky angry riffs and and not much else whereas this was the point where Chino was starting to become a more kind of uh, was a confident guitar player and a confident songwriter and the stuff he was writing was more melancholic. So it created this dichotomy between where they wanted White Pony to go, which I think is a crucial aspect of why the album is so good. And it's Absolutely. first indicated on 
a digital bath because digital bath, I mean, digital bath is probably one of the first reasons that you get those memes of, you know, the sleep paralysis demon waking you up to ask your deftone shoegaze. <laughs> I, like, I definitely want you guys it's like no but 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 it's a fair question to someone who yeah. doesn't know what you guys is well i mean this this starts out as a shoe guys song like, it does there's, un, this, undeniably this is, like this is like this is like slow dive played by cracked up new metal kids yeah and, <laughs> and you know that's what, do you know what's really cool about this song yeah. this is kind of the first sexy song on the album because yeah. there is a power and a sex to White Pony and this kind of sensual, almost erotic feeling throughout the album. Now, it's it's not like, you know, beige kind of sex. It's like BDSM. It's blood fantasies. It's, you know, it's the kind of more underground, slightly darker side of sex. But it's, it is sexy. Like this music is sexy. It just is. Yeah, yeah I, I, I get that. <clears throat> I get that kind of, uh, not, dear listener, uh, disclaimer, not that I've ever smoked crack, but I get that, <laughs> I get that sickly, druggy, sweaty, sexy, it's dirty, dingy, underground sex clubs. It's that fucking, it's nasty. Yeah, and it, it has, this, it has this just this smoky sultriness to it and it's deli- and it's and no small part thanks to Chino Marino's vocals because that man he lays on these fucking because he he delivers most of the, nearly all the lyrics from characters perspectives and and he kind of t- and that kind of allows him to just go full theatrical without ever coming off as like overkill or cheesy mm. but the, no one can match Chino's whispery seductive kind of delivery and on Digital Bat it has that real watery monotonous riff which is so shoegaze indebted the gloom, the gloom. and after the complete just assault of etc as the intro digital bath is almost the total opposite end of the spectrum and it kind of it kind of let introduces the other half of the sonic war that white pony goes through it's a very kind of bipolar record it Mm. it flashes back and forth between super aggressive and and super seductive and it and it's almost without trying to get too pretentious or overthink it 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 kind of um it it reflects the the warring states of like aggression and, and and passion that go on throughout the album in chino's lyrics and his delivery and the mixture of sex and death and the and and there's a lot of songs that kind of mix like people like at war with one another with wanting to fuck each other and they kind of and, mm. and, and that's almost alive in the music the fact that the, it can be so heavy and then it can be so sultry and then they can kind of merge together There's so the such album a beautiful is, tension to the album yeah it's such a it's an album of highs and lows and mm. not in terms of quality but in terms of kind of atmosphere mm. so mm. digital and digital bad to this day like you said just musically even how it builds it it has again it it's like it's like a shoegaze post rock song done in the guise of a new metal band from the late nineties, early noughties, and the way it builds and builds and Chino's vocal at the end, it it's a gorgeous, gorgeous song, and it's that amazing. it's one of the first indicators as well of Deftones' true lasting greatness. I think absolutely. And an interesting side note about Digital Bat: it is used to this day by sound engineers to test their systems in venues because of how well it's produced. And 
I think you can see why, because everything here is just perfectly placed and pitched as it is throughout the record. Because I, I just want to bring it up briefly. The production on this album is fucking immaculate, right? Oh, yeah, no, it's perfect. So perfectly it's, produced. It's like. incredible, man. Terry Date, what a boy. Um, then we move on to Elise. Um, and this is, you know, for those people who are probably missing their new metal Deftones, Mm. This is the new metal moment of the record. And amazingly, I couldn't believe this. This is the only time that Deftones have won a Grammy for this song. For Elite? For Elite. The best metal performance in 2001 was Elite by Deftones. It seems criminal that they have won a yeah, Grammy. That's absurd. But as there's usual, no... fuck the Grammys, you know what I mean? Yeah, not... <laughs> I'm just a pile of wank, but like, Elite is. Given Deftones a Grammy for Best Metal Performance for Elite is like Martin Scorsese winning the Best Director Oscar for The Departed. Well, it's like Leo winning the Best Actor Oscar for The Revenant, like. Well, the, well, the Revenant is actually brilliant and people, people we're going to get off on a tangent Yeah, we, Yeah, let's let's, yeah, let's, that, let's yeah. keep that in. <laughs> well, but you know what I mean? It was Even when Martin Scorsese won the Oscar for The Departed, every, every critic, every fucking commentator were all just kind of like, the Departed was great, but they kind of just owed him one since Raging Bull, really. Definitely. And yeah, it is, it's kind of like, Deftones, it's almost now like, oh, we need to give Deftones a Grammy nod. Ersha, we gave them one for a leap. It's like, you gave them one for one of their just straight up metal shit. Like the yeah. work they've put out since. But Elite, yeah. to, not to discredit Elite, Elite fucking, Elite's one of those songs that I like, I need to be careful where I listen to it because I will like put a hole in a wall if it's if it's too soft. Oh, big time. Because, yeah. Like, when I heard this song first, like fucking whatever, 20 years ago, I was like, ooh, heavy, me like. And listening to it this week, I was like, oh, heavy, me like. You know, yeah. I love the, that furious kind of race for the finish at the end of the song into that last kind of weird vocoded vocal from Chino. Fucking amazing. It might be a new metal song-ish, but it's a fucking banger of the highest order. Elite is is elite. Like, it's fucking magnificent. And it's also like, even by, I wouldn't say, even though it's, it is new metal, but. It's definitely new metal based. Yeah. But the fact, the way you have bands now who can write songs inspired by the aesthetic and the vibe of new metal, but they're far kind of heavier and more mm. potent and, and informed. That's kind of what Elite's like. Elite is, bit. Elite's very. It's the most forward thinking. New, it's almost the sound of nails being put in the new metal coffin because no band were going to be able to contend with, with how vicious Deftones were when they wanted to be. And Deftones were kind of taking the things that worked about new metal and were just going off and being their own band and leaving like every other fucking band in the dust with new with the whole concept of new metal. And, and new metal pretty much died by the time Deftones put out the subsequent self-titled anyway. So this is, White Pony is almost the sound of Deftones taking what was what worked to them from new metal and abandoning the rest of it and then filling in the gaps with just strange, ethereal, shoegaze-inspired mm. art that became their core dynamic, basically. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, you, I think the yeah. contrast between the beauty of some of Chino's vocals and the absolute viciousness on, on Elite really adds to the power and the heaviness of Elite. It's a fucking amazing song. And that's what I'm saying. Like the, the fact that the album is warring sonics between Chino and Steph Carpenter's guitar work and Chino himself as a vocalist mm -hmm. and a lyricist, he 
he almost he he plays the part of that of that imperfect person who you know you know they're aggressive to a fault and then they're they're fucking love bombing and 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 horny to a fault and begging to a fault and there's all even like even songs where he's trying to be emotive and and be you know and and charming and there's a sense of self-centeredness to it which mm-hmm. kind of which i think is very much it's purposeful chino's Ch- chino chino really embodies that like that really toxic lover like who is like you know it is there's no winning with them and and that is kind of that's almost the vibe i get with white pony it's this elusive unhappiness that goes on in relate young relationships when drugs are involved and and adultery is involved and the wrong motives are in place that there's it's just ugly no matter when it's no matter when it's chill no matter when it's angry angry no matter when it's horny no matter when it's fun there there's a there's a really horrible underlying atmosphere to white pony which doesn't really exist on such inverted commas mainstream successful metal albums but chino has this amazing darkness that this amazing darkness that he and he imbues the character songs and the lyrics and the characters without it ever feeling forced or overtly mm-hmm. theatrical or you can interpret the beauty about Deftones is you can interpret it so many ways but to me especially on white pony there's this there's this imagery of like toxic failing relationships and betrayal between people even on that that like completely repeated line of you know uh, when you're ripe, you'll bleed out of control. You'll bleed out of control. You're pregnant with all this space, thick with honey, but I've lost my taste. Mm-hmm. When you're ripe, you'll bleed out of control. It's these these images of like tasting and fruit and thickness and it's it's sexy and it's nasty, man. And it's and it's not from the point of view of like a Barry White. Like it's it's from the view of like and we should say like the band have admitted when they were like recording this material, like they were all like experimenting with fucking hard drugs and drugs they really shouldn't have kind of been vibing with. And well, Chino is, was asked, "How do you describe White Pony?" and he just gave a one-word answer. He just said cocaine. Yeah. So like so, you know. I mean, they've been very public about it, like. Yeah, and there, so there is that sweatiness and that that misplaced emotion and passion and and like and you can imagine, I mean, like they were quite intelligent guys, but they were obviously, I mean, they were young, mm. they had a shit ton of money, mm. they were living mm. in LA, probably on all drugs. Chino, there's a re- like- there's a reported coke budget in the money yeah. they were given to record this. Like, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know if that's been confirmed, but apparently part of the money they were given was a Coke budget, which is- And I've I've heard wild. that they were, some of them were smoking crack while they were making it too. So, I mean, mm. they're definitely, but without it being too in the music, there's definitely that sense of, you almost get this image sometimes of like, Chino writes this perfect kind of way of, he writes lyrics on this album from the point of view of a really artistic, poetic, drug-addled, sweaty young man trying mm. to use his sway to manipulate women into relationships with him. Now, I'm not saying that's what Chino was like, but Chino seems like the type of lad whose brain would go to those places when writing lyrics. So he's almost like taking, and this is total conjecture on my part, but I I hear like Chino kind of, maybe internalizing what lads in his position with his money and his drugs, how they could lash out and misinterpret relationships and take advantage of relationships. And, and Chino seems the kind he's the outsider kind of writer, even in their later material where 
that seems to be very much a, a, a big thing in the lyrics of White Pony that it's a very poetic, weird, manifested way of talking about sex and relationships and drugs and kind of the displacement of that passion and energy with, sorry, with all of the excess that he's kind of had come his way so quickly. And it's kind of this fucking untaming of emotions where it's a lashing out of at the success and at these desires that he kind of is almost afraid of. That that's kind of what I get in the in the sultry aggression and the really deep kind of toxic relationship lyrics that burst out through White Pony. Um, I think that's actually a really good link to uh, the next song, RX Queen, as well, because um, mm-hmm. the chorus, you know, he says, "Cause you're my girl, and that's all right. If you stay, I won't mind, like you know. But I'm not like, I'm not dying for you to stay here or anything. But the way Chino delivers it, then you feel like he." he he thinks the world of you like he's just he's this really paradoxical delivery between his his delivery and the lyrics he's saying you know it's the most romantic lyrics allied with this kind of or no the most romantic delivery allied with this kind of non-committal romantic lyrics you know but is it not sorry is it not sting i think it's if you sting me i won't mind which i think is even more further of like how I think it might be Sting because I, I think thought it was if you stay I won't mind. Oh my god, I've embarrassed myself live on air. Oh, I thought that it was like and and again I think it's more indicative <gasps> of that toxic relationship that he's like you're my girl and that's all right if you sting me I won't mind you cheat on me you hurt me because you're my girl we're together we're codependent on each other. I have so I can never heard that before and now I see it in the lyrics and I feel like yeah. an idiot. Of course it makes so much sense. Oh yeah, my god. And again, it's bringing back that whole thing, I think, of like, like whether he's cheating on her, she's cheating on him, they're mm. abusing each other, they're really arguing and lashing out or hurting each other. He's like, but at least we have each other. You're my girl, so that's mm. all right. You sting me, I won't mind, because at least I have someone I can call my own. It's that insecure territoriality of having someone, even if it's not good for either of you. That's, Absolutely, yeah. I, I definitely don't think Chino is in the most positive relationship position when he wrote these lyrics. I don't think so. Um, but again, there's a beautiful, like we we're talking about with Chatpile, Chino's great at kind of blurring the line between what's personal experience and what's just complete mm. character development and manifestation and where he takes his imagination. And there's a lovely blurring of where he ends and where these narratives begin. Reality and fantasy meeting each other kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know. um, and, they're, and they're both, and it's a bleak fantasy and a bleak reality. Like. That's for fucking sure. Um, just to get off Chino's nuts because I'd love to stay on his nuts for the whole the whole episode, to be honest. Oh. But the drum beat at the start of this is just <laughs> fucking masterful. The music, the musical landscape of RX Queen is stunning. I just, I love this song, man. Even though I've been listening to the lyrics wrong for fucking 20 years. <laughs> I just, I man, I love RX Queen. It's so good. It's so beautiful. It's so... It's just so brilliant. Like, I don't know what to say about it other than it's fucking amazing. Yeah. And like you mentioned in Abe Cunningham, I mean, <sighs> he, he's he's got to be in the run for like one of the best drummers in, in metal music that, that doesn't get talked about far enough. Oh, he's the most, one of the most underrated musicians in music. He's a machine. He's and, it's, and, and this album was the sound of, he's almost... Like Steve Carpenter's riffs and everything and Chino's performance, but Abe Cunningham just 
<laughs> the drums on this album are, like I said, because they have this, there's almost this echoey cavernous sound to each one of the toms and the snare that, and, and then when he get so when he puts in a fill, they all have this cavernous kind of sound. That's what, so the drum sound is very claustrophobic and it's it amazing, all though. cuts yeah. through all the guitar work. And so when a fill hits the ring off of each single hit kind of, Climbs on top of each other, and the drums just give me this fucking. They, they, yeah, oh, it's amazing. Geez. Yeah, it's ah, uh, and uh, oh. uh, Eric's Queen is Eric's Queen is lush as well. Oh, That's it's so and, lush, man. It's amazing. Um, but then, Street Carp, man. I remember the first time I listened to this album. I just couldn't. Uh, I couldn't get over how good this song was. I just vividly remember hearing it, and like I just kept repeating it. I didn't hear Teenager for a long time, the first time I listened to this album. I just couldn't. You know the bit where he goes to, here's my new address, and he like forgets the number or pretends to forget it or gives a fake number. And I was like, that is the coolest, cleverest hook of all time. Now, I was 14 or whatever when I heard it. So, I mean, I wasn't, you know. That, I'm 30 and I still think I it's just, unbelievable. I just think it's unbelievable, man. And I love to write it down. Now, did you get it? Get it? Write it down. And did you get it? Get it? Well, there's our oh, men. Street Carp is just, whoo. And that's <laughs> the funny thing, because, I mean, it's the, short, it's the shortest track on the album. It's one of the heaviest tracks on the album. And, I mean, for the most part, the lyrics seem very kind of, I mean, it's got that sultry imagery again and shit. But for the most part, it, it the song mainly sounds like you said, like flirting with a girl at a party, and she's giving you a fake number, <laughs> yeah, or you're giving her a fake number, or yeah. you're you're too on drugs to remember, or you're kind of pretending you're too on drugs. So yeah, that all. Here's my new address: six one five. Oh, I forget. And then the the write it down. Did yeah. you get it? Get it? It's almost like the sound of someone leaving. You know, did you did you get that before I leave? And it, it's almost this fit. It's you kind of can't tell whether this is a window into two people flirting and them not kind of communicating the way they want to, or someone faking that scenario because they don't really care about the person that much. I always think as well, it could be someone being arrested because they're, and they're like just trying to give fake addresses to the police or whatever. And because it, it's just the use of the word, um, there's all your evidence. You know, now take it home and run with it or. You know, and it's just Take it you, home and fuck with it. You know, so it's, it's just brilliant. It's an ambiguously written song, but Jesus Christ, it feels good. I love Street Carp, man. I love it, love it, love it. Um, and the irony of like Street Carp being and repeating it over and over again was that it stopped me hearing Teenager for a while, and like Teenager is Teenager ass, is the sound. Teenager to me is the reason why they had to make Frank Delgado a permanent member and pay him uh, an equal wage. A hundred percent, because it's so beautiful and elegant. It shows other new metal bands how to use scratching and effects and electronics in a in a way that like someone like uh, Depeche Mode or Cocteau Twins or all of these bands from the eighties that Chino adores in the way that they would use electronics in a subtle it, way. It's the most, again, I'm going to bring up it's the comparison again. It's the closest turntable kind of electronic effects wise that they get to Incubus mm. because Chris Kilmore for Incubus, again, another band who came up in that new metal wave who 
were actually outliers to new metal and went off to become their own complete different thing. And Chris Kilmore, even in Incubus, you could hear that he, him being the turn. The st- that was probably one of the reasons he got lumped into being a new metal band because so many new metal bands had a relevant turntablist. Turntablist, yeah, yeah. But on White Pony, on on Teenager, again, you hear that. You hear how it can be a perf- how it can be an essential instrument. And how it can it can take center stage in the sonic structure of a song that those those bubbly kind of atmospheric yeah. kind of loops that Amazing. go on, and Chino's vocals on it are just gorgeous, man. And the contemplative little guitar line as well, Jesus Christ, man! Teenager is teenagers outrageous, like it's, outrageous. It's and then the album gets even better <laughs> with Knife Party. I think Knife Party might be one of Deftones' greatest ever songs. Uh, like as to be honest are most on this album but this is almost like the most Deftones-y song they've ever written uh, yeah. it's like this stunningly beautiful vocal semi-rapt refrain of go get your knife that bit the stabbing guitar phenomenal drumming particularly on that instrumental break where the female vocal comes in for the first time that screamed manipulated female vocal and the way it winds around Chino's vocal for the rest of the song it's harrowing by it's Oh, it's it's like it's kind of beautiful as well as being scary. No, no, it's like a jazz slash opera singer screaming and then warped, like you said, around Chino. But again, it creates, and that again, Knife Party to me brings back, it brings back that whole toxic relationship image, you know, the go get your knife, go get your knife and come in and lay down, can't feel a thing and kiss me, come get your knife. It like, it's like, you know, it's okay if we're, it, it's okay to cut each other or hurt each other or cause fucking serious anguish and pain and anxiety to one another if we're together, if we're not abandoning each other. It's very, a lot of this, this album lyrically deals, I think, with toxic, to- toxic relationships and, and that kind and that codependency. And there's just something about how, like, like you said, it's so, it's so quintessential Deftone sounding. It and really then that is, whole, yeah. And that hook is so anthemic. That, Go get your knife. Yeah. When she comes in at the end, then it really, it fucking, it just drags the atmosphere down to to a real base place where we kind of hear the, you know, because like he's talking about like the, 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 the fucking implosion of relationships and codependency. And, and it, it seems to always just be from his point of view. And then when we hear like a female vocal shrieking Screaming. in the background, it cre- oh, it creates this horrible image of just of just fucked up people treating each other in fucked up manners. Man. Oh, man. And, and then the transition then into Korea is great as well. And like Korea is the album's heaviest moment, I think, easily. It's like full blown fucking sepultura vibes, like full on like grooving metal riffing. Steph Carpenter just flexing on everybody. It's like this is how you do heft, motherfucker. And the riff that builds up to the checker pulse breakdown bit is a real adrenaline throwback as well. I love this song a hell of a lot. It's not the most nuanced. It's not the most, you know, intricate or evolved or mature or forward thinking. But it's fucking banging. I love Korea. But I think the uh, I think the whole point of Korea is like it kind of doubles down on because like I said, there's a warring between the, the more shoegazy, experimental, sexy sound that Chino obviously really wanted White Pony to go in, and the fact that Steve, Steph Carpenter would only budge so much. Mm. And He's obviously, like, no, they, no, no, 
I got to do this. <laughs> yeah, we, I got to have some fucking curb stompers in here. Yeah. And and he gets his way on tracks like uh, Elise and Street Carp. But on and then Korea is kind of because after this, we get ver the album gets very Chino inspired and becomes very indicative of latter day Deftones and where they would go on the self-titled and stuff like that. So this is the last kind of instance of Steph putting up a battle with mm -hmm. Chino's ego before Chino kind of charts the course for the rest of White Pony. So and then but but that being said, with how musically aggressive Korea is. And by God. It is a ferocious. <laughs> wow, it's aggressive. Chino equates that, equals it with his lyrics. Cause I and I keep talking about and I don't think I've ever used the word sex so much in an episode, but like this album and, me and neither, like man. I, yeah, and like, trust me, when when I say sex, I'm not talking about a Barry White record here. This is this is not this is not an album. This is not an album that I'm going to use the word sex to describe so much that I recommend you put on next time you're trying to seduce your missus. No, <laughs> this, this Although, is a, the odd time you're in the mood for that type of fucking hanky panky. But yeah. this is not Sunday afternoon lovemaking music. No, no, this is not no, afternoon no. delight. No, 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 no. and. The lyrics on Korea are just nasty. They're va they're vague and they're cryptic in Chino fashion, but the whole like you know, I taste you much better off teeth taste of white skin on red leather. The nighttime <laughs> cavity come in downtown pony work your pitch, and I get I get prostitute imagery there. Korea maybe he's talking about Korea town downtown areas. And that whole thing, I came in, I came to in feathers like leaves taste. You rub me together with claws like we got nighttime cavity. Come in downtown pony, work your pitch. That just seems to me like streetwalker prostituting. And with how fucking crushing that riff is as well. It, it's just this horrible image of just fucking illegals paying for sex and and it's just it's nasty and dirty. And it's one of those instances when you, by the time you get to Korea, you really feel like a shower is in order. I Absolutely. find every time I listen to White Pony. But then it's kind of like Korea ends and then passengers like you, you're not showering yet because we got we got some places to go first. Um, I'm just going to need you to to back up a little. Give okay. your boy, give your, give your boy some room. Passenger is the best Defton song ever, period. There was a long stretch of time where I thought that this was my favorite song ever. Um, the way that the electronics swell at the start before giving way into the riff and the drums together is genius. It's true songwriting craft. It's unbelievable. Then when Cheese come bass comes in with Chino's vocals, oh man, it's it's so great. And then you hear another voice. Who could it possibly be? That's right. It's Maynard fucking James fucking Keenan. Unstoppable, man. The chorus that Maynard sings on this is fucking outrageous. And the way the chorus is, crashes in after, you know, the, this time won't you please drive. Oh my God, for the second chorus. Then the big riff after that. This this song is just unreal, man. It's unreal. It's a true combination of everything they're so good at. Melody, heft, craft, experiment, experimentation, that really soft 
middle eight with the ominous bass, the minimal drums, before the two boys come back in again. And you just, something is coming. And then you get that pre-chorus riff again and you're expecting another chorus. But no, they just end. And then you get a little bit of keyboard to take us home. Man, Passenger is just unreal. It's unreal. This is one of those... Actually, funnily enough, on this album, it's one of those perfect songs, though. This is like a fucking 14 out of 10 song. This is good enough to be on any album ever. And the fact that it's on one of these best metal albums ever just is just beautiful. Passenger by Deftones featuring Maynard James Keenan is incredible. Incredible. I think... I, I think one of the one of the things that kind of defines Passenger for me is when you have a vocalist from another band feature on a song and their their performance on that other band song sounds like an essential part of one of their own band's albums, if that makes sense. Mm. Like almost I it's it's almost like every time I hear Passenger and I hear Maynard come in with that amazing fucking chorus that my brain every even though I know it's like every time my brain goes, oh yeah, that chorus isn't on an Emar Lateralis. That's yeah. that's off of Deftones White Pony. Yeah. <laughs> That, that that's that's not a tool chorus. That's that's Maynard featuring on a Deftone song, it's but it amazing. sounds like such a quintessential Maynard vocal and performance. It, it seems like an essential part of like the Maynard studying, even though it's not on a tool or a perfect circle record. It's just and even the verses when when Chino like even listening to it now, when you hear that song and you hear Chino and Maynard trading off in the verses and then the chorus, I mean. It's almost obscene they were it's, allowed to record a song together. You shouldn't be allowed to do this, like. No, because, like, what, <laughs> what do other bands do then? Like, how do you compete when, with Passenger? Yeah. It's, when when Deftones, like, when Deftones, at the height of their, like, creative abilities, write a song and get fucking made out James Keenan to do guest vocals on, that's not fair to other bands. Like. No, it's, it's outrageous, man. It's outrageous. It's one of the biggest flexes in musical history. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's just one like, of those unmatched. It's it's metal. <laughs> it's the metal. For, it's the alternative and metal world's answer to fucking David Bowie and Freddie Mercury Freddie doing Mercury, under pressure. It, that's such a great shout, man. Yeah. And what's interesting as well. This is roughly around the time where it might have been just before it where Maynard was like notorious for being like, we don't want any fans in backwards red baseball hats listening to our music. You know, he was like, fuck new metal. And it was just a, a signifier of Deftones had really outgrown the tag even. But like, you're with me. Passenger is... Passengers well, I, There's a reason I haven't dis I haven't like I didn't like challenge you at all when you said it's one of Deftones' best songs. Like, no, no, I said it is the best. <laughs> I said it is the best for me. Yeah, I, and I, I just I, think I know, it's and you're it's 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 completely yeah. It's it, it's hard to kind of we could do a whole episode of me trying to find Deftones songs yeah. that top passenger like. It's amazing, man. It's just it's so great, and, and then, like, it's Maynard at that. Sorry, but it I. As much as I, you know me, like I love Lateralis, but mm -hmm. Anima is my favorite Tool album. And yep. that Passenger has Maynard at that era of his vocal where he was starting to really reach for like becoming as trained and, and, and as controlled as he is. But he still had a bit more of that youthful aggression in his delivery. And there's a real, it's that real Anima Lateralis vocal era mm -hmm. that he has on on Passenger. And it just... 
like the song builds and builds, but when he fucking goes for the, that final chorus, I'm always just like jaw on the floor. It's, it's one of those songs that I've heard. I, yeah, uh, Passenger is one of those songs that I've heard easily a hundred times, and each time I, I'm, I have my hands out to myself like it's my first time hearing it. Oh, I'm just I'm saying, like, man, I, I really, ne- really? I've never got sick of it. Like, never. Uh, it's just no, incredible. It's, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And you know, you know the story about Maynard coming to the studio to to when he when they kind of brought him in to work on Passenger. This yeah. was when Maynard was like very much you know, into his psychedelics and he was very shamanistic and thought that he was a lot deeper than he was. And when they like hired him in, they were like, we want to kind of do a collab with you. Have you do guest vocals on a song? He showed up with all these fucking like percussion instruments. <laughs> and got all, Oh yeah. And like got all the boys to go into the main booth and stand in a circle with these percussion instruments. And it was all about like tapping out the the inner aggression and turmoil. And and apparently like Steph Carpenter and Abe Cunningham were like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like two are good and all, but like this is a pile of fucking hippie shit. And, and he said it like the lads were proper like, who the fuck is he? For like the whole day. He could tell. And, then, uh, he, and then he did his like vocal take and he says he came back then and he was. He said that. He, what did he say, Maynard? In an interview years later, he was like, "I really think that you know me coming made made quite a difference because you know they were all like, who the fuck is this hippie guy?" And he says, "I think I kind of maybe got them out of their inner turmoil by unifying their experience by being weirded out by me." <laughs> I came back and they were all like really just clicking and working together. And what a I guy. think. Yeah, he was like, I. He was like, what I intended mightn't have worked the way I wanted it to work. He says, but I do think I reconnected them by. I think they were all kind of like, they all connected over the fact that Maynard was bothering them and weirding them out. And Maynard saw that as like a positive. He I was like, that. I got them. I got the yeah, Maynard because Maynard didn't give no fucks. Like nah, Maynard never did, never will. Well, I just and you could tell, like Maynard probably went in half. Like maybe I should give this a go. Because I read about this in one of those Mad Shaman books I like. And hey, if it, if it doesn't work, it'll just fuck with them. Because Maynard's both. Maynard likes to bring peace and love, but he also likes to fuck with people. So To be honest, like if, if Maynard came in and pissed and shat on my face and then he produced the chorus of Passenger, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough, man. Whatever you want to do, really. Like, you know what I mean? You yeah, kinda, I, I, kinda, I, kinda I've got wipes in the back. It's fine, man. You do what you need <laughs> to do. Good. You've got it's your process. Good. So after like basically taking our tops off and hugging about how brilliant Passenger is, we move from, in my opinion, the best Efton song to their biggest, well, on Spotify anyway, Change in the House of Flies. And this is another moment of absolute perfection, really, isn't it? Just kind of a, yeah. an absolute anthem. Man, seeing this song live was outrageous. And I saw it at Download where everyone knew it and it just felt so right in the field, you know, which is weird because it is, it to me anyway, it's the obvious single from White Pony, but it's not a very singly single, you know, it's quite obtuse, it's awkward, it's different. Only Deftones could have made this song a hit. And it's fucking sublime. What a song this is. Again, the funny thing as well is like bringing it back to how like I perceive the lyrics to be so toxic and about like codependent relationships and shit. And especially the lyrics in this song, you know, it it, it, it seems to be a lot about kind of like 
you know, change, obviously. But like the whole thing of, you know, I watched you change and, you know, is it's almost like judging someone for not being the person they were when you first started going out with them. And it's kind of almost that gaslighting for changing. And like, there's that whole line about, you know, like I pulled off your wings, mm. you know, then I laughed. So there is a lot of like, there seems to be that kind of, there's like this unwarranted anger toward, and it could be like, you know, it could be a change as like something really bad has happened to this person, like a drug addiction or they've started cheating or, or it could be that just the fault lies with the person accusing the person of changing, you know, or you're like, you're growing up, you're changing your tastes and your interests and you're not the person I want once thought you were. And it is that kind of, and it doesn't get too bogged down in its metaphor about like flies and like changing mm. the house of flies, but it, it just has enough of a really simple, simplistic metaphor to kind of paint this picture. And, and that's even the thing that it's quite minimal in terms of the lyrics and the vocals. And there's just a couple yeah. of, and it's just that big, huge crushing riff that comes in after like the, I, I love the, it's the little details, you know, in this song, particularly those synth notes, those, those really ethereal notes that kind of creep up behind the verses. And then those just big, huge chugging riffs that come in on the chorus. I And then those lovely uh, backing harmonies at the end. Ah, ah. It's 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 such a it's an anthem of that time when it it's, came out. It's but incredible. It's, but it is like quite a dark song. Oh, it's very and, dark. But I think and again, she that's knows the whole album is, you know. It it's, is. It is. It's, yeah. it's the kind of, it's the real euphoric kind of high point on an album that, that's incredibly dark the whole way through. And I think it's, it kind of packages a lot of the themes and ideas and messages and the, the dark sultriness of White Pony in the most accessible way. It is like the most, it's the perfect kind of introduction single for people, even though it's the penultimate track on the record. Absolutely. And in the same way that Knife Party is one of the most Deftones-y Deftones song. Yeah. I think if you were to take Change, be like, this is, this represents all of White Pony quite well. You know, you've got the, as you mentioned, those little synth lines, you've got the, ah, you've got the yeah. beauty and you've got that absolute monolith of a riff as well. So it, it does capture a lot of what's great about White Pony and in turn, what's great about Deftones. I think, man, Change is, Change is one of those songs, right? You know the way a lot of people, particularly like us who are kind of like into music or whatever and like a band's biggest song is rarely your favourite song by them or whatever you know yeah Change is one of those ones where you're kind of like if someone said man I love Deftones they're my favourite band and Change is my favourite song you'd be kind of like yeah fair enough yeah I buy, I buy that do you know what I mean and it's like one of those ones it's like it's the big popular choice but it's also the cool choice you know what I mean it's yeah. it's, just, it's just a fucking banger like Change is a Change is a brilliant song. It's a brilliant song. It is. It's 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 one of the best songs on the album. It's one of Deftone songs, best Deftone songs in general. And it, yeah, and it just it encapsulates so much of the themes of the record as well. I I I I think it's like a perfect. It's a perfect track on the record, and it's like the perfect penultimate song before Pink Maggot. Mm. Um, Pink Maggot. Ugh. 
Pete Maggot is fucking amazing. Like, I think they shouldn't have given in to the label pressure and made... No, it's a song that's been bastardised beyond fucking reprieve, like. It has. But, like, the Grebo new metal kid who fucking loves hybrid theory and last resort <laughs> loves back to school like back to school is a banger however way you cut it up but it doesn't capture what makes Deftones brilliant you know it doesn't have that maturity that elegance that grace it just has cool riffs it's got a bit of rapping it's got you know it. it's, it's literally like the label just looked at White Pony went back to Deftones and said we want you to take that like seven minute closing track, the really yep. beautiful slow building post rock song, take out the big crescendo hook. Cause that's the best part of the song. <laughs> and then slap a fucking generic riff and yep. down tune to your style. And Chino, you do a bit of rapping over it. And we're basically going to re-release the album with that as the opening track. And we're going to lure new metal fans into thinking you're a new metal band. Yeah. Uh, exactly, and that's exactly what happened. That's and what happened. they they wrote the rewrite in a day, you know. Yeah. And but like I think when you see when you actually listen to Pink Maggot, you can see that it took much more than a day to create that. Like you know, there's the shoegaze at the beginning is just glorious, as you said, the post rock element to the whole. It is. Track it's one of their is, most shoegazy post rock nah, tracks, even how it builds and swells. It's fantastic. That heavier section is incredible the we'll say the riff bass section that back to school is based on incredible mm. um i love that the, there's there's two distinct kind of volume drops under when chino is singing all you are towards the end and they're just beautiful it's a it's an amazing closer to an amazing album i think i think it's it's a great encapsulation of deftones as a band and as a progressive band and it also hints to like Ooh, seven minute song. Like, what could Def do, Deftones do next? Kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but even like, especially when, because I was so, like, not really that interested in Deftones when hearing Back to School, parenthesis, Mini Maggot. Mm. And then when I first went to sc- and listened to White Pony, the real version without the Back to School on it, and I got to Pink Maggot and realized what the fuck had happened and then did my research and, and found the whole story out. I remember just thinking to myself, like, I fucking was deterred from listening to Deftones because of Back to School. And the one part of the song I like turns out to be the the crescendo in this beautiful post-rocky finishing track that I had no fucking idea was in any way related to Back to School to begin. It was, oh man. And it took Deftones so long to finally get a physical version out there that just restored it to its 11 track. Fate Setter at the Pink Maggot order, which is the only way to listen to White Pony. It's the only I, way to listen to it. I, when I, I have White Pony on Spotify on my phone, but I have the Back to School Mini Maggot removed as an individual track, <laughs> just so I have the normal 11 yeah. track version because I'm that OCD about it. I just thought I was, I just thought I was skipping, man, because I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to click on back to school but I just don't even want to by accident forget and just click on the <laughs> album and have to fucking deal with that because it ruins the, the whole when every time you put on White Pony and you just hear that yeah. riff and then and then as we said earlier Abe's fucking horrific yeah. drum fill comes in and like just ah uh, that and then you're just kind of like oh shit I'm in it again yeah I'm yeah. back in White Pony like. I'm back here yeah it's yeah, yeah. White Pony man is look <sighs> That's, look, that's us going track by track through White Pony. What a ride it's been. Before we get to, like, summing this all up, which is going to be a hell of a task, um, I just like to 
I have a couple of games I want to play with you. <laughs> I gave, uh, dear listener, I gave Zach no prior warning about any of this though. So uh, this could completely throw him for a loop. Um, when it comes to the year 2000, it was a pretty good year for music. And yeah. one album in particular kind of swept the boards with a lot of magazines in their end of year lists. Do you know what album that was? Two thousand year two thousand. Would that have been Marshall Matters LP? Uh, I think outside of we'll say the alternative press, Marshall Matters LP was was okay. was a big one. But even in other mainstream record, in other mainstream magazines, there was another winner. So. This album, just to give you a little bit of a hint, and I won't keep you hanging on too long. If you can't get it, that's cool. I Like I said, I've completely thrown this on you. So their next album was the album that sent them Supernova, but this was the album that people were just like, fuck, this band are this shit. Oh, um, in 2000? In 2000, I was going to say Chocolate Starfish, but the, the, that album did, that was the album that went and made them Supernova, not the next one. Yeah. Uh, don't don't tell me. Uh, two thousand. I well, I keep wanting to say Linkin Park, but no. But you know what's I, funny, actually, a lot of the praise for Linkin Park is retrospective, because at the time it didn't actually get into a lot of end of year lists. Hybrid theory. Hybrid theory. People didn't realize. That's a fucking joke, boy. isn't it? That's ridiculous. I thought that album was just everyone appreciated how dope it was in the moment it came out. Um, fucking, what's that other one that came out in two thousand? That was really big. It wasn't Limbisky. It wasn't Lincoln Park. It can't be Papa Roach. No. Uh, Will I put you out of your misery? Is it white? It's not white pony, is it? No. Um, hold on, I got one more good guess in me. Uh, yes, you do. I believe in you. I got one more. Um, fucking hell. What, what's the other album? I know there's another like this band are now a festival headlining size band. Um, formed from the ashes of a, a great, bigger than cult stoner band. Oh, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age, rated R. Rated R. Oh, Swept shit. Swept the board. Metal Hammer's number one album of the year and also Kerrang's number one album of the year in 2000 was Queens of the Stone Age, rated R. Now, the Metal Hammer list is a bit funny because you'll see. <laughs> so, right, it's if I'll just go through them quickly. So, Limp Bizkit, Before Chapman. you say anything, Metal Hammer, I've... Even as a young teenage boy, I, and as someone who like, you know, re reviews music on a podcast with you and, yeah. and writes reviews online and mm -hmm. takes reviewing music quite seriously, I've read some fucking like really questionable and pompous reviews in my time. And Metal Hammer, Metal Hammer used to give like Fallout Boy albums one out of 10. Yeah. And like, even if you don't like like Fallout Boy at all, like to objectively like give Infinity on high one out of ten is when pathetic. the pop songs yeah is ridiculous because like, yeah even on uh, just even as an objective. 
point of view if you don't like those songs there are yeah. fantastic pop songs in production and performance oh, 100%. on that album and I'm not even the biggest Fall Out Boy fan so Metal Hammer especially I've always mm, you know what I mean I was I was a Metal Hammer devotee for many years and then what was it? I think um, The Book of Souls by Iron Maiden in 2015, 2016 was given their album of the year and I was like, lads, come on. This is like, just stop lying to your readers and I haven't bought an issue since. My Also, my biggest thing with music reviewing and it's funny coming from someone who loves reviewing music, but mm. the biggest reason that to me I'm all for reading reviews and writing reviews, but I also think people have to be careful about accrediting a company or a publication's rating because at the end of the day, it's just whoever gets, whoever works for them, who's ever on their payroll, who gets assigned the album that week, like who and ends also up. also pressure from advertisers. Yes. So think. I'll just put it this way. Your Demise, a band that you and I are both very big fans of. Yes. Your Demise, the kids, if you look it up online, do the research. Your Demise, the kids we used to be, Kerrang, one out of five. Your Demise, the golden age, Kerrang, four out of five. And like the kids used to be is arguably a much better album than the golden age. Not even arguably. Yeah, it's a musically, it's much denser. It's Absolutely. that, and, and I love the golden age, but the kids used to be. I love the golden age too, but the kids yeah. used to be. The kids, the kids used to be one out of five. Stupid. As well, it's just fucking yeah. naff. Like, so I, I'm not saying that these lists and all these reviews are the be all and end all, but it's just an inter- interesting kind of indicator, the lay of the land at the time. I think. So yeah. s- starting at the bottom for Metal Hammer, we've got Limp Bizkit, Chocolate Starfish. Fair enough. I think it deserves to be in a top twenty. You know, for the year. I mean, it's. It was massive, like um, Corrosion of Conformity, America's Volume Dealer. I don't even know that record. Spiritual Becker, Beggars, Ad Astra. Don't know. Nah. ACDC, Stiff Upper Lip. Oh, fuck off. I, do you know? Earthton 9, Arc Tangent. That's a good record. It's, that's where the festival got their name. Yep. Soulfly Primitive. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> the Offspring Conspiracy, a one. Eh. Mm. My Ruin, a prayer under pressure of violent Ooh, anguish. What? Yeah, exactly. Where am I? What? And and then at number 12, Deftones, White Pony. Way! Now... Not in the top 10, but... Not in the top 10. And the idea that there were 12 or 11 better albums than White Pony in 2000 is a bit of a funny one. Give me, the, give me these 11 better so albums. So th- this is immediately where we start, you know, losing the plot a little bit. At number 11, One Minute Silence, By Now, Saved Later. Ooh, what? Exactly. Oh, Jesus Christ. Now, as we will get to, there are a couple of albums that I think could be in the conversation for the best album of the year 2000. And Metal Hammer's number 10 of 2000 is one of them. And that's Relationship of Command by At The Driving. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What a special album. What a special album. I think we'll move on because... We're going to That's cover that. That's a whole that. other can of yes. worms. Yeah. Uh, at number nine, also a fantastic record. We're not allowed to talk about him really anymore. But Hollywood by Marilyn Manson is a fucking beast of an album. Hollywood by Marilyn Manson. And this is coming from arguably one of the most objective, biggest Marilyn Manson fans when it came to his musical output and nothing else. Yep. Uh, Hollywood was his last great album. Of course it was. 
and it's kind of it Absolutely. You, you know if if you really were interested in like just listening to Marlon Manson's music and wondering about like was there any hype behind it or if it's good because he has so many re- trust me you could stop after Hollywood and ignore every single other piece of output he ever did and 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 it would be a far better experience absolutely he had four immense albums and i've a, and I've a real soft spot for golden age grotesque i've a real soft spot for it i i have a i have an appreciation for it because i loved it so much as a kid but i think that's why i still trash. like it yeah but i think that's, it's hot trash it is yeah, it's yeah it is what it is Hollywood's the last piece of art he made. But but fuck fuck Brian Warner. Let's move on. Absolutely. Number eight, Pitch Shifter Deviant. Pitch Shifter are a cool band. Uh, but above Yeah, but they're not fucking white pony. That's exactly. Going. Number seven, Raging Speedhorn, Raging Speedhorn. I love Raging Speedhorn. So but do again, I, but like, again, come on. Come number on. six, Disturbed the Sickness. I mean, come on, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Number five is another one that I'd be kind of like, if that's your bag, I can see how you think that would be better than White Pony. I disagree, as we will get to. But uh, A Perfect Circle, Mare de Nam, is, it's fucking amazing. That's an amazing album. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. not White Pony, though. No, it ain't. Uh, number four, The Workhorse Movement, Sons of the Pioneers. That's a pretty Ooh. good record. That's actually a pretty good record, but no. Um, number three and this is funny like this band always got really high at the end of the year listen Metal Hammer Monster Magnet God Says No I mean they have a couple of good albums but I'm not having God Says No this high up in the list no way come off it no number two then was Amen We've Come For Your Parents and I fucking love Amen so <laughs> but no like no Amen were that band who'd be on KX at night because their videos had boobies and blood yeah they're the boys. And yeah. then at number one was Queens of the Stone Age rated R. Now, I must say that fair play to Kerrang, their list was far more sensible. So again, number 20, AFI, The Art of Drowning. Love AFI. So oh, that's such a cracking record. I was, oh, only, so I was talking about that with lads at work the other day. The Art of Drowning is like, when people, when people think AFI are like, Eyeliner, fringy, fucking Kerrang. Nah, I'm like, man, you've no idea how dope they were on a bottom time. Like. They were so good, man. Um, no, it's a bit low, but still. Then the Delta 72000. Sure, why not? Sure. Number 18, the Workhorse Movement, Sons of the Pioneers. Again, it's good. Number 17, Silver Ginger 5, Black Leather Mojo. <laughs> I just think you're making these up. Now. I'm not, man. Um, number sixteen. I will. I will go with this record. I love it. Uh, Glassjaw. Everything you ever want to know about silence. Fucking amazing record. Cracking album. Cracking album. Better, but still a great debut. Absolutely. Uh, Fifteen. I don't think this should be in here because it's a covers album, but it's a fucking banging covers album. But it shouldn't be in here. A Rage Against the Machine. Renegades. Fucking great, but shouldn't be eligible. I don't think. Yeah, it, it, people have a weird. People always kind of give Renegades like a pass, even though it's a covers album. I'm like, nah, man, Rage of three albums, yeah, and a covers album. Exactly. I, I never consider covers albums parts of the the, the real discography. Like. No, they shouldn't be an end of year list. Definitely no. not. Uh, number fourteen, self titled Rancid album, very good. Um, Thirteen, Group Dog Drill, every six seconds. Twelve, The Crockets, The Great Brain Robbery, like. Who are these? <laughs> what I is don't this? fucking know, and they're not no. Deftones White Pony. Like uh, eleven spiritual beggars at Astra. 
10 super suckers the evil powers of rock and roll I mean sure uh, 9 Marilyn Manson no 9 okay. Marilyn Manson Hollywood fair uh, 8 reinventing the steel by Pantera fair 7 snake river conspiracy sonic jihad I mean Sure. That's an awful fucking name for an sure. album. Sure. Be uh, it 2000 or 2022, yeah. that's a fucking awful name for an album. Sonic uh, Jihad. Sonic that's Jihad, like, like that's like a rejected album title from an episode of Metalocalypse. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For real. Uh number six, Monster Magnet. God says no. Again, it's a good record, but come on, guys. Then, this is a really strong top five, in my opinion. Number five, A Perfect Circle, Mare de Nam. Number four is Amen, We've Come For Your Parents. Number three, Ding Ding Ding, Deftones, White, White Pony. Pony. Number two, then, they have At The Drive-In, Relationship Command, which, again, is fair enough. Wouldn't be my choice, but fair. And then, at number one, they had Queens of the Stone Age, Rated R. So, my question to you is, is White Pony the best album of the year 2000? Oh, um, it might be. Yeah, I. It might be. You know, I'm. I like. I'm trying me, to like. For me, yeah. it is. It is definitely. But I'm if someone was to say, you know what, Relationship Command was out in 2000 as well. That's a fucking special record. I'm like, yeah, look, cool. That's you do you. When we're getting to when you're talking about two ten out of ten records, I mean, saying one of them is worse than the other one isn't that big of a dislike, you know. I but think for, it would for me, it is. Go, I think it would nearly go like White Pony, Relationship of Command, and then something like Hybrid Theory mm-hmm. and Chocolate Starfish. Yeah, Hollywood, Glass and then Glassjaw. Yeah. And but, that rated R as well. I love rated R. It's a great yeah, record. I think they're they're all the top tens, but I think that I think the top three would be White Pony Relationship with Command. And then you could open up the floor to maybe Chocolate Starfish or Hybrid Theory. Yeah. Another. Yeah. But yeah. I definitely think I think I've never I've never had anyone kind of confront me and make me decide between White Pony or Relationship with Command. But yeah. I think as much as I love relationship of command i think i and this is no disrespect to relationship of command i think it's a masterpiece but it i is. think i think one of the other reasons i hold so much stock in relationship of command is because that was kind of my introduction to you know that it was kind of my introduction to aggressive music that didn't have to be growling mm. and screaming mm. and and it was also my introduction to punk music that didn't have to be simplistic or really accessible and then the fact that it it was such a successful album, even though it's so not catering to to anyone, <laughs> to anyone, I yeah. So there's so much credence behind why I love Relationship with Command. Same. Whereas White Pony just kind of just it defined a fucking generation, man. Absolutely. It's a, and it's it's a it musically it's a masterpiece. Uh, the, every time I revisit it, it. It it's haunting, seductive, strange atmosphere constantly grabs me, and I think it it's it's timeless as well. It, especially when you look at extreme music today and alternative music today, what they did with White Pony is just 
it's still fucking it's still big dick energy all these years later I'm just going to halt your 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 role a little bit there because we will get to that when we come to summing up the album fully Um, but I have another game I want to play with you before we get there you're going to enjoy this (laughs) okay hit me with round number two uh, two So basically, after torturing you, trying to make you pick between relationship and command and White Pony, I'm going to do the same, but just in a quick fire fashion with a few other albums. So Deftones started as a new metal band and much like some of their peers, they kind of grew out of that genre and became their own type of thing. But I'm going to ask you to consider some albums from new metal and tell me, do you think White Pony is better or worse than those albums? Now, <laughs> we'll see. Right. The, de- the debut Corn album. No. White Pony. Yeah. Yeah, White Pony. Like, yeah, and I love that self-titled Corn yeah, album. same. Like, but like, no. Yeah. Uh, the no. debut Slipknot album. No. Yeah, same. And I, lo- I, I love that debut album. But I, at the same time, we're com- I, we're all... Let, let, let me just really quickly say we are comparing debuts to Deftones third album true yeah but 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 for for so for posterity's sake follow the leader no white pony and yeah. uh volume three subliminal verses no white pony yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's the debut or the third album from Slipknot Accord white pony this next one is kind of like Pretty much everything after this album wasn't great. Well, I'd, I'd take the next album anyway. Hybrid Theory or White Pony? I think we kind of discussed that already. Well, no, Me- Meteora is dope as fuck. As yeah, well. I, I like Meteora, yeah. Yeah, I think for Linkin Park, it, the conversation is Hybrid Theory and Meteora. Yep. White Pony's better than both. Exactly. Uh, Chocolate Starfish. Oh, man, come on, White Pony. Yeah, as, like, much, like- as much as I love Fred Durst and the boys, and I loved them unashamedly, unironically, I know. As a, as a piece of art yes. like it's not about enjoyment and about the crack I mean I wouldn't throw on White Pony when me and all the boys come back from a big session uh, you're all but locked I, but, yeah, yeah. yeah but I I'd like and expect the party to go off but if I yeah. throw on Chocolate Starish everyone would be having the bands but musically as a piece of art as a, yeah. it's White Pony all day every day here is where I think it gets interesting I think out of the new metal world and scene this is the only one that can have a conversation with White Pony. It's the only album. Uh, Toxicity by System of a Down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... Did that... That's, yeah. 2000, that's 2001. Came out the following year. Yeah. I've always had... I think I've always had a little bit... Of, like Deftones, I've always had trouble kind of considering System to be new metal. They, but see, that's the thing. They're not. I'm just saying bands yeah. that originate in that time. Yeah. It was more of a time thing than a music thing. Yeah, I mean, they were it, any alternative metal band at that yeah. time got lugged yeah. into being new metal yeah. band. They did, yeah. But um, <sighs> I, I, oh fuck! I would need I would need some time to actually reflect on if I think my phone is better than Toxicity. Tough, isn't it? You see, but do I do I think do I um. I I would say Toxicity is as good, if not possibly better than White Pony, but mm-hmm. I think Deftones have the far stronger overall discography. Oh, I mean, that's not even a conversation. I mean, it's, you don't, mm. you've, I, I, don't get me wrong. 
I, I, I pretty much love, I bummed the shit out of pretty much everything System have done. I think they're an incredible yeah. event. But overall, yeah, I, I'm, I'm Deftones all day. But when it comes to toxicity, there is something about that record. Um, for me, for me, I prefer White Pony. Like, White Pony is my absolute bae. Like, I love White Pony. It's my baby child. I love it. Yeah. But if someone said to me, nah, man, Toxicity is a better record, I'd have a hard time arguing that as well. Yeah. You know, Toxicity is a fucking gem. An absolute gem. The strange thing about Toxicity as well is that there's people I know, like, firsthand, I've had at least three or four firsthand experiences with people who do not like metal music at all but all love the album Toxicity. And that's a really strange record for people to have ears for when they don't like most other metal because yep. Toxicity is not a fucking like accessible or easy to listen to album. No. When it goes, it's fucking terrifying and frantic as shit. And I pe- people who like, people who would never even touch Metallica or like fucking yep. Linkin Park or Megadeth or anything, like... We'll still be like, oh, that prison song, though. That's a tune. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Where did that come what, from? The, what the fuck yeah. do you hear in prison song that yeah. you like? Like, and then and then you send them the way of the debut system album, and they're kind of like, oh, no, 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 that's too much yeah, for me. This? I'm afraid yeah, yeah. you and your kombucha mushroom people stay over there, my friend. Um, <laughs> right. So these next, I've picked four more records. Okay. Um, I'd like you to think about this objectively, if you could. Try take yourself out of it. When don't I think objectively, Tyranny? Well, I mean, it's hard, really, isn't it, with music? You know what I mean? So, I've picked four classic records. Like, as in, all-time big boy records. Big boy shit. Is White Pony better or worse than Appetite for Destruction? Yeah. It's better, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Even, like... If if I really like, if I go deep on, if I put on my fucking like mm-hmm. my, my my deep fucking dive hat, mm-hmm. and I think about like the songs on Appetite for Destruction, I mean Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, um, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle, My Michelle, My Michelle, uh, Night Train, yeah, like fucking great bangers across all across the board on that record, absolutely. But, it ain't white pony though. Very good. Something Correct. About Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I know we said to be objective, but whatever. <laughs> Master I I of correct. puppets. <laughs> it's so hard. That is. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> that's that's a tricky one because. Yeah. Like, I mean, because like for its time, Puppets is so good. And like for Puppets every is, time for right now, Puppets, Puppets is the shit, man. Uh, but 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 Puppets is less. Mm, Puppets is kind of. Mm, how would I put it? Be obviously because of when it came out, White Pony is kind of more current and relevant to today's metal sound. It's then, 22 years old, it's 22 years old, which makes puppets fucking a million. Like no, 40, puppets... is 40 years now, isn't it? No, uh, puppets is 36, it was released in 86. 88, 86. no, 86, Justice yeah. was 88. 
It's 86. Yeah. So what's that? We're at, we're at 36. 36. So, uh, 40. I've rounded up, motherfucker. <laughs> um, mm, Jesus. It's tough, man, isn't it? Like, if I take it objectively... I still say white pony. I think it does. Well, I, more. But that's well. I, it's not that even objectively. It's well. It's kind. It's kind of the fact that like I would still like the. I still like the music Deftones makes. Whereas I grew out a kind of thrash metal. Yeah, and that, that type of thrash I know metal. What you're saying. A long time yeah. ago. Do you know what I so, suggest though? Just whack on master of puppets there, and you're just like fuck. This is good. You know what I mean? It's one of those records that I'm the same. I like. I. I I I love Metallica. I always will, but like, you know, I don't listen to them as much anymore. But when I do, I'm like, yeah, they're still the boys. Like, but I would have White Pony. I I would I would say White Pony, but just because of t- personal taste. Fair. But but puppets is like, is home. It's, it's it, they're almost incomparable because like puppets is just it's because they're totally different and puppets is like, I would prefer White Pony. But uh, it's still like fucking amazing. It is. Yeah, I'm only doing this really for comedic value. I just want to torture you a little. Driving bit. me crazy, but yeah. yeah. So this one will be really easy for you to answer. No, it won't. Um, <laughs> is White Pony better than Nevermind? <laughs> Buggy's face has just collapsed. <laughs> It really looks like I'm putting him through some awful kind of Chinese water torture or something. No. Oh, your first no. So White Pony is not better than Nevermind. Oh, because never like fuck. Let's be real. Like never mind. Fucking it's ne- it's never mind. Like yeah, it smells like Teen Spirit in blue. Train <laughs> yeah. you territorial pissings. Fucking yeah. come uh, as you are. Come as you are. Something in like, the way. Something in the way. On man. a plane, Lydia. Pl- yeah. It's, <laughs> come on, it's absurd. Like it, that album is just yeah. No, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's yeah. not Nirvana's best album. Fuck. No, it's not. Jesus, but like unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, Deftones. I, I'm, I, as much as I, I'm ride or die for White Pony. Yeah, it, it's not as good as Nevermind. Which do me. you prefer? Sorry. Which do you prefer? What do you mean? Uh, out of Nevermind or White Pony? Mm, tricky, probably, isn't it? Yeah, it's tricky. Probably Nevermind because I cool. just. Because I because I think of Nevermind just as like and as much as like people say the songs are overplayed and they've become desensitized to the album and stuff like yeah to me Nevermind is like a big nexus of like a lot of the alt rock that I love and a lot of the emo I love and the hardcore mm-hmm. punk that I love and Nevermind was a proper melting pot of all the the genres I've gone on to become that have defined so much of my taste since absolutely I can, I can see I that still 100%. love it like yeah so I, I, but but then White Pony is like. White Pony is so seminal to to kind of a more niche spectrum of music that I love. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nevermind just seems so integral to so many facets of my taste. Yeah. So I, I would I would I would I'm sorry, I'm gonna put Nevermind above White Pony in this time. I get that. I mean there's a direct link from Nevermind to uh, Glow On by Turnstyle. Like yeah. you know what I mean? There's a there's and a through line. And it's even the fact that like you would Nirvana 
I mean, never mind, or like ninety one, and then. I mean, we don't even have to justify this, really, do we? No, but then, you but know. then you see, but then you were saying about like never mind to turnstile glow on. I mean, you look at like, and all those bands in the nineties, the hardcore bands who went that alt rock adjacent kind of route, like turnstile have done now with glow on, like Shelter and Leeway. Mm. And fucking Snapcase and stuff like that. I learned a lot of them bands through Finn McKinty Obiob. He kind of just was like, yo, check out if you like Turnstile, find out where they came from. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah. Was, and but seeing like Nirvana's success and then those bands, those hardcore bands trying out that alternative and grunge style in the later 90s. I mean, and then you go into the nowadays you turnstile and all that. So I mean, to me, and then I just love grunge as well. And like so oh, many. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, just Nirvana, no, like as you said, I don't need to justify no, this. It's fucking no. never mind. It's what's that lyric from that Moose Blood song, you know? Uh, let me hold your hand. We can talk, spend our day talking about our favorite bands. How never mind still blows me away. I just love that lyric. Yeah. Like, I think that for me, I do prefer White Pony. Um, but as we get to in summing it up, I'll explain that. I do prefer it, but even me, even the deranged psycho that I am when it comes to Deftones, I know Nevermind is probably better. You know what I mean? I know that, really, deep down in my heart. I know objectively Nevermind is Nevermind. You know? Yeah, but you, you, know. Just, you love White Pony. But I really, I really love White Pony, man. It just means a hell of a lot to me. The last one I have for you is because I feel, this is just for me being a petty little bitch, really. Like, Deftones often get called the radio head of metal. I'm like... No, they're just the Deftones of metal. They're just Deftones. They're the best. You, we don't need comparisons to Radiohead. Is White Pony better than OK Computer? Are you ready for my real answer? Yeah. I've never listened to OK Computer. Go away. I, I have like, I am, I, I have an almost crippling disinterest toward Radiohead. Interesting. I am, I'm gobsmacked. I have never listened to a Radiohead album in full. Do you know what? Fair fucking play to you, boy. I've tried. I don't get it. They're good musicians. The OK Computer is not just good. OK Computer is excellent. But it ain't fucking my pony. So shove your radiohead of metal up your arse. Deftones are the fucking shit and they don't need validation from your indie bollocks. Fuck off. I think I would I would I don't even think people would be comparing Deftones to Radiohead musically. I always interpreted the <clears throat> I always interpreted the Deftones or the Radiohead of Metal to be the fact that Deftones are like these outlier auteurs who kind of have their own niche sound within a wider spectrum and always deliver seminal albums at their own pace and people will always just flock to them and they'll always garner praise because they're just kind of unmatched. I don't think sonically people are comparing Radiohead and Deftones. I've always assumed more to be because even like I'm not really interested in Radiohead, but they kind of have their own sound within, within a common genre and Radiohead kind of, they're very identifiable and every time they come out with their own with a new work it's just like it just shits on everything and it's the same with Deftones so I think I think that I think that's the kind of comparison people make but I do also kind of get what you're saying that like Deftones name should just be Deftones it's just Deftones like you know garner its own fucking intimidation but um 
Exactly. Radiohead, like Radiohead, have good tunes, and I mean, Radiohead. This is not me, like shit. Because I know people fucking love Radiohead. Oh and man, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not slagging off Radiohead. No, I'm slagging off all. people who are who feel that Radiohead are the be all and end all. And oh, if we call some of the Radiohead of metal, you're welcome. Like guys, you know, we're granting you this. And it's a <laughs> bit. It's so fucking patronizing. Like the Deftones. Our Deftones, man, they're they're up there with everyone. You know what I mean? So I just that, that was all I was getting ratty about. <laughs> uh, no, I like I said, I like Deftones have good tunes, and I and there's some great songs and Radiohead have good tunes. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You said, said you said Deftones too. Oh my bad. <laughs> we've been just dis- we've been discussing for well over an hour how good Deftones are. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just literally have never kind of... There's a couple of Radiohead songs that have made me go like, wow. Mm. But I've just never, ever in my life... And like, and there are like, I have heard songs by bands and been like, wow, this is the time I'm getting into them. Or I've woken up on random whims and said, you know what? This is this is where I wanted to start checking out this band. And it's kind of what happened with the Smiths and shit. But Radiohead are just a band I have never, yeah. ever just wanted to check out, man. Tom York is great at what he does, and they're super talented musicians. And yep. I, I think it's also that thing that, you know, I have so much shit that I like listening to and that I like following. And I, I guess it's always that sense that I know full well that even if I ever get into Radiohead and fall in love with them, I'm never going to be arsed to see them live. So I always kind of have that thought in the back of my head that, like like old films, Radiohead's albums will always be there. Yeah. I will sit down with Kid A and OK Computer one of these days just to see what all the hubbub is about. But at the moment, be just because I've got different tastes and shit, there's too many really good hardcore records yeah, and pop-punk revival and shit coming out. That's way more my bag. The last couple of decisions I'm going to make you make are, what do you think the best track on White Pony is? I'm just going to pull up that old track list one last time, even though I know it off by fucking heart, but I need to look at them all right in front of me. Oh, I think Jesus. While you're, I, pi- while you're picking, I, I made mine very clear because I said Passenger is the best Defton song, period. So yeah, Passenger is my answer anyway. I think Digital Bath. Yeah, great shout. Um, great shout. Digital yeah, digital bad. Is bad. Sick. I look like I look. I'm looking at like passengers, amazing, and then teenager. I love, but teenager, so teenager, shit. teenager's gorgeous, but teenager such like a palate cleanser as well. I love. But it. I think is an overall kind of encompassing of mm-hmm. everything I love in the album. And you could say like we were talking about change earlier. You could say change as you well. Could. And I love the dirty bangers like Elite and Streetcar. But I'm going to say digital. Like if the track, I always kind of. Every time I listen to it, the fact that it's 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 so early on the album, it's only track two. So as soon as I hear that first like watery, I'm like, yeah, I'm just I'm happy with myself that I decided to listen to White Pony again. Every time I just get to Digital Bat. So yeah, cool, great shout. And then the worst track on White Pony. Oh, um, can you have a worse track when they're all absolute bangers? Uh, (laughs) That's the thing. Um, just a little bit of torture for you here and I've completely yeah. like no way that's what I picked as well yeah yeah the only reason I picked Korea is because it's a throwback it's the only song yeah, that doesn't look forward yeah, yeah it's like a very adrenaline era style song and it's fucking I, I, brilliant 
but it just isn't the sound of Deftones growing. And I think and I think Elite and Streetcar have that visceral energy of the early stuff, but mm-hmm. also indic- indicative of where they're going. A hundred percent. That's yeah. awesome. I did not think we'd we'd be at the, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. funny. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we come to the very end of this absolutely lengthy and winding podcast. How would you sum up White Pony? Um, I'd sum up White Pony as being like. It was kind of the sound of the band really coming into their own as artists and also kind of realizing the artistry that was kind of within them. Because, I mean, Adrenaline, super great new metal record. Around the Fire was like them figuring out what Deftones actually sound like. And then White Pony was is them turning that into like not just an art form, but also really carving out their niche as like this melting pot sonic fucking bubbling stew of like like this digital bath like this whole fucking the shoegaze and post-rock mixed with like these the really abrasive down-tuned new metal guitar like i said it's the sound of them picking what they carrying what they like about new metal and then cutting away the chaff mm-hmm. of what like they don't want anymore and really just kind of that 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 unashamed effort to imbue the tracks with melody but also keep this sinister kind of edge. I think it's the sound of a band really dis- figuring out who they are, their own sonic identity, and also kind of setting, charting their own course and trajectory for literally the next two decades. I think it's an amazing, dark, unsettling, but not impenetrable like combination of alt metal, new metal, shoegaze, post-rock, all wrapped up in this, because it isn't like these tracks are all like really weird and fucking like as as dark and strange and abrasive as this album is it's a it's a relatively normal length normal track lengths bar the closer and it's it's got a constant warring energy like i said between the fact that chino marino and steph carpenter had totally different ideas for the types of songs they were writing that that dichotomy and disagreement like is such a part of what makes White Pony so good. Because as I said, I interpret a lot of the lyrics to be like drug influenced, toxic relationships, kind of like that that idea of like communicating with someone and like letting someone go and and the warring sonics between the really aggressive songs and the really nuanced melodic ones and the tracks that kind of have both just cobbled together in this twisted way. It's it's an immense, dark, poetic, just it's just masterpiece and it seems to get more and more influential and relevant each year that goes by absolutely uh, i yeah i think it's a masterwork of 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 not just alternative metal but just alternative music in general Completely and even the agree. fact that on the black stallion remix album you had like everyone from fucking like you had robert smith from the cure remixing it and then you also had like um mike shinoda mike shinoda I think it was a purity ring. Yeah, purity did ring. A song. Like, I, yeah. I mean, like the yeah, the 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 diverse kind of inf- people who got involved. Uh didn't um what's his name as well? Uh DJ Shadow, I mean, even does a remix on that Black Stallion album. So I mean it just shows how much resonance 
White Pony is had with artists from so many different backgrounds and so many different scenes. It's such, it's not just one of the most like important metal albums of the 21st century to me. It's one of the most important alternative albums of the 21st century. Lyri- and, it, and the fact that the lyrics are so cryptic and dark, so they can be open to interpretation, but I also think there's quite a clear enough image if you want to take them a certain way as well. And I think it's the sound of, it's like youthful excess and drug addiction and like drug experimentation and sex and like too much too fast and the, the kind of self-awareness of where this is going and the damages it takes on relationships. Mm-hmm. Obviously this is all so much I interpret from it, but I think that's what's so great about Chino's lyrics that they're minimal, but they're also quite metaphorical and poetic. So they, they say so much, but sometimes say so little. And the, and then just, of course, the energy and the sinister nature that's imbued into the music and the performances is just unfucking matched even by today's standards. Nowadays, when an album or a band come along and their album is like really, really full of personality and darkness and unique kind of biting visceral charm, they get the Deftones in comparison, like the Deftones or the Radiohead. Yeah, of yeah, this. yeah. You, you do, you, Def, getting compared 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 to Deftones now is seen as like one of the fucking biggest seals of approval you can get. And that all started truly with White Pony. Absolutely, man. That's, uh, yeah, brilliantly said. Um, I think as well, something that maybe we didn't touch on was that it actually opened up Deftones to kind of a, a new audience as well because... Um, I was reading an interview with uh, Lauren from Churches and she was like, I love new metal, but I didn't think that it really was relevant to me. But when I heard White Pony, it really opened up things to me because it doesn't have that overt masculinity. There's this dark romanticism to the album that's, you know, it's easier for a lot of people to get into. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Um, When it comes to my thoughts on the album, I think it's just an undeniable 10 out of 10 record. I mean, it's like there's no argument. It's it's a 10. Um, I think it's the rare case of a band's most popular album being their best album and also my favourite. Just, but that's another conversation. I could see that too. I could, I'd could. Um, i agree with that. One of the rare instances where the most popular album is my favourite and I think it's their best. Yeah, it's, it's one of those weird, one of those weird few. A bit like the way Change in the House and Flies, if someone said that's the best Defton song, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, cool, yeah. Um. If someone said to me, "If this is the this is the best album ever," I'd be like, "Okay, okay, it's a ten out of ten. I think it's perfect from start to finish. If you think it's better than all the other ten out of tens, because that's what you're talking about when you're at this level. You're talking about tens versus tens, you know, like, and I think it's one of the highest, strongest tens you could ever. This doesn't just squeak into being a ten. This is a ten all day, every day." And I just think it's, if someone said it's the best album ever, I wouldn't agree, but I wouldn't be too far off either. I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. This is easily the best record to come from the new metal era and scene. I think the the only one, as we've discussed, is Toxicity. But for me, I would have White Pony over it. Um. 2000 was a really strong year for music, as discussed, but for me, this is the best record of 2000. And to be honest, if we're putting together our list of best albums ever, this is skipping and jumping its way unobstructed into my top 20. 
it's more than likely just gonna like stretch its way into my top ten. And if pushed, I think this is one of the five best albums of all time. I that's obviously just for me. It's purely my own opinion. Um, I, if you say, "Man, you're crazy," it's not. Yeah, cool. But but I'm telling you, for me, this is one of the five most perfect, most brilliant, most affecting, most important albums ever. For an album obsessed with sex and cocaine and blood and fantasy, then more cocaine. It has moments of incredible beauty uh, and grace and elegance, as well as power and weight and heft. When I listened to this, I remember the White Pony, um, the CD. There was like a, a video with it. It was like an eight minute long video. And it was like this post-apocalyptic landscape where people with their skin falling off and they were breathing through oxygen masks and stuff and they were having sex. And I was just like, this album sounds like the soundtrack to that. Like <laughs> blood covered sex in an apocalyptic wasteland. Like every, uh, everyone radiated to fucking to the point of like yeah. disintegration in, and just fucking in the landscape of a nuclear holocaust LA kind of yeah, thing. Like, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, that sounds uh, like white pony to be fair. It does, it does. Yeah. But there's something about it, man. This album, as we've discussed, is sexy, it's sensual, and it's really powerful for it. Um, it's just immaculately played and performed. I mean, the individual performances, if you took apart the band members... Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Abe Cunningham is off the chart. Chino's performance is disgracefully good. The way Chi swifts and you know, moves in and out of, of the songs and can give you a real rumbling bass line or just play root notes. It's just as effective. Steph Carpenter's absolute anvil-heavy guitar tone. Like, Frank Delgado, the way he crafts the overall world and vision and sound and sonic experience of this album is incredible and like i said the bits where he stands oh, out like man oh. like like what we mentioned teenager and even those like those really eerie notes and change yeah. like his when he's 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 not like he doesn't force his hand but no. when you notice him he like he takes all the attention He's brilliant. And like I said, the, this album is the reason they, they had to make him a full-time credited member because his performance is too intrinsic to that album. Like. Absolutely. And if you if you take apart the album, his stuff is all over it. His fingerprints are everywhere. You know, over every song. Like as you said, he doesn't force it on you. But if you're listening, you're like, oh shit, I've never heard that little ding, ding, yeah. ding. You know, it's, it's amazing. Fantastic. Huge shout out to Terry Date as well, as we talked about. The production is incredible. Um... White Pony, man. I just, I love this album with every fibre of my being. And listening to it this week, I was just reminded of like, not just like how brilliant this is, but how brilliant music is, man. I say it at the end of every episode. I say music is the best. And fucking this album is one of the reasons why. Like, when you hear something that's this good and this perfect and... It's powerful, man. And I don't give a fuck if people think that's cheesy or over the top. There is nothing like hearing a piece of... Uh, an art... A piece of art like this album. There's nothing like hearing music that's this brilliant. There's no experience like it. It's the best feeling. And as an album I've been listening to for fucking 20 years, I still feel that way every time I put it on. It's fucking incredible. When I when I went back and got into White Pony 
around the time of Black Stallion, when I was reviewing Black Stallion about two yeah. years ago or whenever it came out, I mentioned to a buddy who I work with, who I'd never really discussed Deftones with. I just said, oh, fuck, man. I said, today I've been re-listening to White Pony. I forgot how just absolutely perfect that record is. I always do. And he was, I remember him saying kind of like, oh, yeah, White Pony, what a record. And then like the next day or two days later, he comes over to me and it's like, man, I really went back and listened to White Pony after you said it. Fucking hell. Yeah. yeah, People forget until they go back. And if that's the thing, dear listener, if you haven't spun White Pony in a while, go back and listen to it. And just do, just treat yourself. You know, some people are like, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to get a takeaway. Sometimes you got to treat yourself and just fucking listen to White Pony because it's, it's a fucking treat to listen to that record. It's a fucking spectacle to behold. That, that album is like letting you know that even in the in the cusp of new metal alternative metal in the late 90s turn of the 21st century you know you can fucking find high art in Absolutely. anything and, this and is, that's what my pony is it's fucking it's alt metal's answer to high art like it's the fucking best it's just the absolute best i love it so much and i have absolutely loved doing this chat man jesus christ it's been fun um, we've gone on it a has, bit, it? we've gone on a bit, but that's okay. Um, so that brings to a close this episode and the first kind of episode that we're calling for the record essentials. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to get in touch and tell us what other records you think we should cover in depth like this, rather than new albums or whatever, I think next week as well, we're going to have a bit of fun. We're going to talk about three bands each who have had the biggest fall-offs in their career so we're going to get neggy after being super posy all of this episode it's going to yeah, be an absolute we, laugh riot we don't just like lick the arsehole off of albums that we love we also like k- kick the arseholes off of albums we don't love does that work i think that works i think if i think if it didn't <laughs> threaten to kick my arsehole though i would be a little like you could have just fucking stopped at my arse bro you could have right. really but yeah. you get really direct. Oh, yeah. hold on. We we got to sign off. We got to sign off because we can go on <laughs> another tangent. Yeah, um, but I'm looking forward to shitting on some records next week. Me too. It's going to be mega. Um, well, it's shitting on some bands as well. It's going to be great. Well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved bands. We're, yeah. Lennox, we're coming for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whoa. Um, thank you for listening to For The Record this has been someone fucking got that white pony (laughs) my name is Tierney music is the best I'm Buggy Deftones White Pony is the best thanks for listening as always bye